Hello, everybody, and good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're, or good evening, wherever you're listening to us, as we are live here for a victory green hour as the Philadelphia Eagles put together their best effort, best game, best complete game underneath head coach Nick Sirianni in a victory over the Denver Broncos. I'm your host, Elja Hero, and joining me as always is my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, last week was pure perfection for the Philadelphia Eagles. Offense, defense, special teams, it all clicked for 60 minutes. Yeah, that that felt like a really good game. I definitely did not expect it to end that way. I think, I can't remember, did we both predict Philadelphia to win in a close game? So I probably I, picked the Broncos because I... I'm pr- I, I've stopped picking the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they're giving you reason. Now they're giving you reason. Now it's like the was it the third easiest schedule for the remainder of the season. Now they're giving I'm you not reason to about pick. That. I'm not talking about that. I'm not. Look, I hate bringing up the Phillies, but Phillies had the easiest schedule, got swept by Arizona, and we saw how that ended. I am not talking about easiest, toughest. I'm not talking about schedules. Just play who's on the schedule ahead of you. Absolutely. I agree. But man, definitely. It was so nice to see that win. we needed that win. And now we're going to dive into it. But the fact that the New Orleans Saints are missing their top offensive weapon and their two starting tackles, humongous opportunity against New Orleans this week. Um, so, I mean, and I know we're going to dive into that later on. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to dive into it because this is a big game. This can really alter the entire, these two games, we may look back on if we can beat New Orleans as season altering victories going forward, but we'll definitely see how things go this weekend. Um, but quick shout out to, uh, fight Philly fight network, Mm -hmm. our new partners. Um, last week, uh, we told you about our, uh, promotion with bet us um and you had to go and click on a link well guess what they now have a code for us so you can just go to the bet us website i think it's betusofficial.com i'll remember that better next time uh and use the promo code fpf network and you get a 125% uh match on your deposit so say you put in 100 bucks you're getting 125 free dollars to play with. So go and check that out at Bet Us and go check out the Fight Philly Fight Network. My preview just went live about two hours ago. Um, so check that out, Fight Philly. Uh, I don't know the site off by heart. Fight it's Philly, at F- it's fightphillyfightnetwork.com. Yeah, uh, well, I'm so sorry to the guys, to Tom and them that were butchering this. We're getting there. We're getting there. And it's uh, at FPF Network on Twitter. So check that out. They're putting out some great content. And I am now joining in and starting to get some written content out there as well. So check them out and make sure to take full advantage of our sponsor, Bet Us. Yep, Bet Us. Definitely um, loving this partnership that we have with the uh, with Fight Philly Fight Tom and them. Uh, they do an outstanding job, and we're just looking to add to it and and, and help expand uh, wherever we can for FPF. So, and, and Connor will give us a preview of his article when we get into the Saints-Eagles preview. But first, we're going to start with the 30-13 to Eagles victory over the Denver Broncos. And as you said, Connor, while you picked the Eagles to win, I don't think you thought it was going to be that dominant of a victory. It was, was Jalen Hurts. The first half was Jalen Hurts' best half of football in his what does he start it now he started four games last year before in his 14 starts as an eagle it was the best he has looked Devontae Smith is the real deal 
<laughs> that connection between Hertz and, and Smith is real. Devontae beating his old college teammate, Patrick Sertan, on that touchdown in the second quarter. Uh, he, or, or I believe it was the second quarter or first quarter um, in the first half. He had that second touchdown. Devontae is growing into being a number one receiver. After all these hit or misses, I should say, the Eagles have had Jalen Rager, uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Nelson Aguilar to an extent, even though he had a really big game in the Super Bowl um, when the Eagles won it over the Patriots. But still, Devontae Smith looks like the real deal. And there was all this talk coming into the draft, if you remember. Is his body build, is his slenderness, is that going to affect you know, the way he, he goes out there on the field. But no, he, he doesn't care. Like, he, he goes out there and he plays tough. He he goes for the ball. We haven't had a receiver in a long time that is going to try to high point the football, going to out-jump a, a cornerback. And that's what we saw Devontae Smith do last week. Jalen Hurts obviously has complete trust in him, and, and, it's, and it was great to see. And it's going to be fun to see going forward, you know. They're going to be they're like this week's going to be a different test against the Saints. We know the Saints' defense is really good. Uh, we know that you know Marcus, um, you know uh, Lattimore may may be shadowing Devontae Smith. Is he going to be able to beat him? It's going to be another. It's going to be a tough matchup, and we'll see the trust that the um, that Jalen Hurts has with Devontae Smith. But last week was a great start, and if Jalen Hurts can continue to play like that, Connor, man, all this talk that we've had over the last couple of months where where we're trying to talk up Jalen Hurts as the number one or as the the franchise quarterback he keeps playing like this they're not going to have to trade for a Russell Wilson Deshaun Watson Aaron Rodgers or or draft one of those mediocre quarterbacks coming out in college this year it'll be Jalen Hurts job at least for another year yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, like you said, like it, it feels like the Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts connection is so much stronger over the last two weeks. Because if you remember three weeks ago, there was that play where Jalen Hurts threw to the end zone, but he kind of threw at Devontae Smith's height. And he says, go up higher. And then you watch this play in the Denver game and he goes up higher and he completely mosses a guy who I wanted the Philadelphia Eagles to draft this year. But it would have been at the expense of not getting Devonta Smith. Like, that's huge. That was huge. That looked so good. That looked so pretty. And you, the great thing is the run game, too, is opening up the passing game. And it sucks because I think we would have seen a much bigger game from Dallas Goddard as well, who we're going to dive into in his new contract extension, because he had two two targets for two receptions right off the bat before that brutal hit that took him out of the game and into the concussion protocol. Um it was kind of a dirty hit, but he was kind of led into the hit at the same time. So it's tough mm-hmm. to say if you really want to call it a suspendable hit. It's a very touchy suspendable hit. So I respect the decision not to suspend or not to fine because then you'd have to suspend and fine a ton of other types of hits. So, I mean, he kind of got led into it by Jalen Hurts. It's just one of those hits that it just happens. It sucks. You hate to see it, but hopefully he comes back. He clears the concussion protocol, gets in the lineup Sunday, and he can uh, show us what we paid him for this past week. Um, And like the pure domination on the time of possession is a mind blow. I don't think we've seen this type of time of possession domination since Andy Reid era. Like we're talking four-minute drive, five-minute drive, six-minute drive, constantly just running the ball, two runs, pass to get the third down, or just run, 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 only passing when you need to pass. 
like we are just the last three games have been sheer domination from the point of possession standpoint or time of possession standpoint. And like we entered like three games ago, we entered that game as one of the worst in time of possession per drive. And now we're in the top half of the league in time of possession per drive. The complete change as much as, you know, you watch a game, if you're a Broncos fan, if you're a competing teams fan, or some Eagles fans, it's like, man, this is so boring to watch. I absolutely love it. It it gets my heart going. If, like we were talking about last weekend, maybe Jeffrey Laurie and Re- Howie Roseman don't like it. I don't give a damn what they don't like. Howie Roseman doesn't know how to manage a franchise. So I don't give a shit what he thinks about how we're running the game because we it looks so pretty out there. It looks so nice to watch Jordan Howard. And then Jordan Howard pound out three yards here, four yards there. Get the first down. Boston Scott takes a big chunk play. Howard goes, pounds a couple more plays. A chunk play through the air. That is what I love to see. And that is called heaven and identity on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, the Eagles definitely have found their identity. And the, the, the big question is going to be when Miles Sanders returns, how are they going to split divvy up the carries? Right. Cause right now we know it's Jordan Howard, Boston Scott Gainwell gets in every a little bit, but back in the beginning of the year, when, when Miles Sanders was active, Gainwell actually had got more uh, PT over uh, Scott and obviously Howard, who was on the practice spots and the Eagles bringing up Howard, you know, onto the active roster. Now he's going to be there. Obviously Miles Sanders is the most talented back on, on the, on the Eagles. It's going to be interesting to see, how they divvy it up, you know, and if if Sirianni will continue to run the ball like he like he has been. I mean, before I believe it was before either before the Lions game, before the Raiders game, the Eagles were one of the worst rushing teams in, in football besides Jalen Hurts running with the ball. But now they're a top five running team, and that offensive line, it, it, the running backs are the beneficiary of this offensive line being the best run blocking offensive line in football. Yeah, I know. Um, Cleveland has a, has a good, really a good running blocking offensive line, but this Eagles offensive line, when they're healthy, my lord, like they defenses know it's coming and still can't stop it. Boston Scott and and Jordan Howard hit the hole and go, and and that seems to work well with how the this offensive line blocks. That interesting question will be: We know that Miles Sanders is more of a he's going to dance around and try to find a hole and go. I don't know if the offensive line is is that type of blocking offensive line, but I don't care. Like, just put put the hot hand out there. I would start Miles Sanders just because he is the best, most talented running back, and I and we've seen him with big runs over the last couple of years. Last year, two what seventy plus yard touchdown runs. Um, we know he has that ability to do to do that. So if he's back this week against the Saints, you start him to see what he got. But now that conundrum, we know there's one football, and we know that Jalen Hurts is somebody that likes to throw the ball as well as run the ball. Handing it off 40 times is probably not the recipe for winning consistently in the NFL. But the Eagles have proved over the last couple of weeks that it can be done. Now the consistency is, will they be able to continue that going up against a, a, a pretty good, uh, the top rushing defense in the NFL and the Saints? Will they be able to do that? They were able to do that against, what, the fifth or sixth-ranked rushing defense last week against the Broncos. You know, obviously that was with Von Miller, who got traded, um, and we know that they're, they're missing a bunch of linebackers, Bradley Chubb not playing and whatnot. But, man, the way that the Eagles' offensive line dominated, especially in that first half, and the way Jalen Hurts had a, a 
He threw the ball three times in the second half. That's how dominant that the, the Eagles' run game was. I loved to see it. They put up 30 points running the ball 40-plus times. They just dominated. to and, and the defense. We have been on Jonathan Gannon all year. Obviously, against really good quarterbacks, the defense isn't that good. Against Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Herbert, um, Dak, Derek Carr's probably in upper t- top 10, upper half of the league. They haven't been good against those type of quarterbacks. But when you go up against the Teddy Bridgewaters, when you go up against, you know, the, the Sam Darnolds, we know that the Eagles offense or defense feasts. And they're going to get a Trevor Simeon this week. Taysom Hill is questionable this in this week's game, so we don't know if he's going to be playing. But you're going to get another quarterback who you should be able to get after, to dominate, to force make mistakes. And if you can do that, you know, this Eagles defense feast on these type of quarterbacks, and we'll see if they can continue doing that. Agreed. Um, and, I mean, just to go back to some other points that you were making there, yeah, it's tough to win in the NFL now based off of solely a run game, but we are seeing some teams who have some great success with it. Sure. The Cleveland Browns are going through some moments, but they leaned on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt a ton. And they literally ran the ball 40 times a week. Even Dearness Johnson. Exactly. It's the type of offensive line that you have. Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. I mean, you're looking at the Titans now and they're still finding a way to win by putting up minimal plays, minimal time of possession, um, minimal points. It's really weird to see them being able to win, but that's all a part of having a defense that you can trust as well. Um, and just trust in your ability to kind of run the clock and, and own the game. And I think it's the same thing with Philadelphia. Like I know like people will sit there and say, oh, you're taking advantage of teams injuries and situations like that but a hundred percent do you expect them to go in there and not take advantage of those we the expectation should be if there is an opening like the new orleans saints this week if there is an opening to take advantage of some of these banged up teams you a hundred percent take advantage that's like going into when we went into the detroit game and people were ruled call calling us oh well we're not going to win this game and then we dominated and people were shocked it's like well it was probably gonna go one of two ways you know you either take advantage of the really bad football team or you have one of those games where the really bad football team takes advantage of you but usually the expectation should be but Philadelphia hasn't been giving us that expectation is that you take full advantage of these situations it's just like to me when I'm looking at fantasy football people look at strength of schedule and they're like Jonathan Taylor, for example, and they're like, oh, well, he's got such an easy strength to schedule. So your expectation is, is is what when that happens, that he dominate and that he be one of the best running backs in football. That is just how the expectation is uh, in this league. It's a what are you going to do for me today thing? And if the what are you doing for me today thing is taking advantage of a team that is minus this person, minus that person down a couple linebackers, whatever it is. A hundred percent. You have to take advantage of it. So we can't just talk about Denver like that because luckily for us, Philadelphia, we haven't been that terribly banged up this year. We've actually been pretty lucky. And you kind of see the the culture with Nick Sirianni. He gave the guys, uh, I think it was Monday off or Tuesday, Tuesday off, I think. They just did a walkthrough Tuesday. They didn't do a regular practice like you would traditionally see. So he respects 
the way the guys are playing. He thinks we're moving in the right direction. Things are flowing in the right direction. And that he doesn't need to push some of these guys in their bodies. And he gives people the proper rest. Fletcher Cox had, I think he had Wednesday off from practice. And it was just purely a rest day. You give the people you know you need to give time off that time off. And you respect the players for what they're doing. And they're doing a really good job in a in a really aggressive style of football that the offense has been playing. Um defensively, like you said, you you got to take advantage of the quarterback. Trevor Simeon is a guy, and I wrote this in my article, and Teddy Bridgewater is the same way. They are guys who, they are pretty much perennial quarterbacks. You're not going to build your franchise around these guys, but you would love to have them backing up your starting quarterback because of the knowledge that they have and how intelligent they are with the game and stuff um, and how they see a game versus how a coach might see the game or how a young quarterback might see the game. Um, but to me, they're going to take what's given to them. Trevor Simeon is a one or two read quarterback, and he's going to take whatever is given to him. You can see it if you watch the highlights over the past couple weeks uh, with Trevor Simeon. And the thing is, and I, I said it in my article, he will go off like Derek Carr did and complete 80% of passes if you're only going to leave the middle of the field open. Sean Payton is a tremendously intelligent coach and so if you're gonna leave the middle open like we did against the Raiders guess what it's gonna be a long ass night because Trevor Simeon will feast with Adam Troutman with Traquan Smith with Jawan Johnson with those types of guys he will feast in the middle of that field and he'll take what's given to him if it's two yards if it's three yards if it's four yards and eventually next thing you know boom your back's against the end zone and you have less than 20 yards to go they will do that. They will do that if that's what you're going to give them. And that's what the what you should expect from a backup quarterback. And that's what I expected from Teddy Bridgewater. But to that point, Jonathan Gannon called a pretty good game. There were some moments, but it was much better than we've seen in the past weeks. Um, so I definitely respect that. I definitely like that. I mean, I got to give props or props are due to like Davian Taylor is really stepping up. He's being a, mm-hmm. becoming a lot better than I thought he was going to be. I thought like this is a type of co- the type of linebacker that, you know, is athletic, really good, whatever. And but never really develops into anything huge. But he's really stepped up. TJ Edwards is playing really well. Avante Maddox is playing well. Darius Slay is on a complete tear. He's on a complete other level. The NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Dude, his speed was crazy. I did not realize he was that fast. Like, I knew he he had decent speed. But when the way he was able to break away, and I know it was a lot, his quote after the... um, uh, after the game, he's like, they were like in a three tight end set. I, there was a bunch of fat people out there. If I can't outrun them, then I don't pretty much like if he can't outrun, outrun them, he doesn't deserve to be in the league. But the, the way he was able to outrun that entire offense for the Broncos on that fumble recover for a touchdown was uh, crazy. And then Teddy Bridgewater not making a, not even going at him, not even attempt. And his quote at the end, he's like, I just wanted to, try to steal him back inside towards the other guy. Like, come on, dude. Like, I get it. I know you're a brittle quarterback. You've had injuries, and you think maybe, all right, I might – something might happen if I make – if I if I go after him, but you have to stop him from scoring. Like, that was the game right there pretty much. The Eagles totally took Denver out of it after that. And But Darius Slay, boy, man, he deserves a lot of credit. He is playing at a Pro Bowl level this year. Two touchdowns, the one against Detroit, and then this one against Denver – like, he deserves a lot of credit. He's, Gannon is starting to allow him to – if there's a legit number one receiver on the opposing offense, 
Darius Slay is going to uh, follow him. Got to give him a lot of credit for – got to give, um, excuse me, Gannon a lot of credit for making that change. And, and, and along with the other things that you said, you know, take advantage of the weak quarterbacks. Don't continue to play zone. Leave in the middle of the field open. Got to give them a lot of credit for making those changes. Absolutely. And you got to you got to try different things. These are the opportunities to try different things with your defense and find some new things that work. And I think that this week is a same, a very similar thing. Teddy Bridgewater is not a guy who pushes the pace of the game. And and that was one of the big reasons he Carolina wanted to move on from him was because of that. Um, and uh, they so, might rather have him. than I mean, I know they're starting Cam this week, but. Uh, I think they may regret that with going after um, Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, like the the thing is, like it's it, some of these quarterbacks they just don't want to take the big shot. And Teddy Bridgewater is one of them. Trevor Simeon's what Simeon will take it when he has to take it. Bridgewater will take it when he has to take it, and they're forced to take it. But they prefer to do the chunk plays, and they prefer to just go th- with their first couple reads and take what's being given to them. Not necessarily the what's going to win you games or what's going to get you anywhere in this league anymore. And that's why we're seeing what happened with Carolina. Started out really well, started to falter. Sam Darnold started to show his quirks. Denver was good. Denver has a really good defense, but their offense, that quarterback position, huge question mark. The weapons are there. You got Cortland Sutton. You got Javonta Williams. You got Melvin Gordon. Um, you got Jerry Judy, you got Noah Fant, the weapons are there, but the big question mark is at the quarterback position. If you just have a quarterback who's going to take what's given to him, defenses will allow themselves to be backed up against the end zone and shut you down and give you three every time if they trust their offense to go out and do something with it. Um, and we've kind of seen that uh, with a few different teams this year and that they trust their offense to score and that their defense, they'll like get back in their corner and try and work their way out of it. Just get a stop here or there and field goals is all you need to all. If that's all you give up, then you're in a far better position um, than, than giving up touchdowns constantly over and over again. So, I mean, overall it was a great game. I loved watching that game. It, It felt closer than it was, but it never felt like Denver had a chance. So I was yeah. never like, I was never like feeling like I was losing years on my life. Like I had in prior weeks, like the LA chargers game, Denver was there, but they weren't really there. So that was kind of nice to have that feeling and to know that we were controlling the tempo of the game. Our defense was controlling the flow of Denver's offense. The Eagles were controlling the flow on the offensive side of the ball, time of possession, keep resting up the defense giving the defense opportunity to come back out after five or six minutes of sitting down on the bench feeling refreshed you know it really felt like there was at no point did I feel Denver had any type of control uh over that game except maybe I think it was like the start of the second quarter they went off and they got a couple quick scores there um yeah they got the touchdown and the field goal that got it to 10-7 and then they got the field goal that got it to 10-10 that might have been where you were kind of thinking things but it that was the only very brief point where it felt like Denver had any opportunity and after that we just didn't look back um at all yeah no and as I mentioned the best game Jalen Hurts has played as an eagle um the best coached game for Nick Sirianni they played a full 60 minutes offensively were dominant defensive touchdown special teams uh, or kick kick a field goal block excuse me they did no wrong and if the eagles can the the one word that i want to see and this is a this is a big word 
consistency. Can the Philadelphia Eagles consistently play like this week in and week out? I don't want them to get too high up on their britches. I don't want them to overthink or just think, ha, oh, yeah, we got this. But, like, the Eagles are 4-2 and two on the road, and they're 0-4 at home. They need to come into this game against the Saints the way they, they've gone into these road games with that mentality that, like, everybody's against us. This is only this will be the second game this year that they're favored. The first game was the Detroit game. They're, one I think, one-and-a-half, two-point favorites against the Saints right, um, right now. So they, they have to come into this game, and I want to see the consistency from the offense, from the defense, from the special teams, from the coaching. I need to see it all before I – have any glimmer of hope that the, of the Eagles possibly making a run at the wild at at least the wild card berth. Agreed. We definitely need to come with a different mentality into Lincoln Financial Field, and we got to find a way to get those wins. We got to find a way to feel backed against a corner in our own at our own home field. If that's the type of mentality that you have to have to sit there and be, I think, what are we owing for on the road and four and two at home or four and two at Cliff, on the yeah. road and own four at home. It is so weird because Philadelphia would usually be something flip-flop the other way. We usually play so well at Lincoln Financial Field and playing for the fans and having the fans behind us and having that really loud crowd that and ruckus crowd that can get going at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, so, yeah, whatever mentality that they go into an away game with, they got to bring it to the home game. And now that, like, you're right there. You're right in the thick of things for this wild card spot. And I did not think here we are week 11 that I would ever be saying this. I'm, I'm a guy yeah. who said we'll be seven and 10. We'll be eight, and nine. And we probably well, that might, be, eight and nine might actually get the seventh playoffs. Exactly. It's surprising to think about because I think right now, probably not anymore after their loss on Thursday night, but Atlanta was holding that final spot with a 500 record. And then well, they lost my, to New England 25-0, so I don't know if they still hold that final Well, spot. yeah, and, and if you think about it, if the, all these – the Eagles have beaten the Falcons, who are right there with them battling for that seventh spot. They're right there with the Panthers, who the Eagles beat, right there battling for that seventh spot. The Saints are going to be there battling for that seventh spot. You win these games. You win these games against the NFC opponents. That ensures you – the, the 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 tiebreaker it just helps you build up that conference record so if the eagles can win this game you know, continue winning games like this obviously the rest of their games are pretty much nfc east games like the eagles aren't going on, on don't take a play in the rest of the year the next time they take a play will be a potential playoff matchup wherever wherever they go if they make the playoffs as and that's if, if they don't win the division which that's a, a totally different conversation for down the road but if you think about it you get the saints at home you go to Jersey back-to-back weeks with the Giants and Jets. Then you're home against Washington. And then you're back on um, then you're back on the road against or excuse me, you're you're home against um, the Giants. Then you're back on the road against Washington before finishing up at home against Dallas. Like this schedule, which I, I know I say I hate bringing it up, but it, it points to if you continue to take it week by week and playing to the best of your ability, you're on buses, all these road, the three road games you have left, you're on a bus you're, you're, or you're on a train. Like you're not having to, to leave early Saturday, you know, just to hop on a plane to go across the country. That doesn't happen. So the Eagles have to be able to take advantage of, of this. And I believe that they'll be able to, um, obviously not looking past the same, 
you know, if they lose to the Saints this week, then I'm I'm done with all playoff talk. But if they beat the Saints, boy, five and six going into that giant to that Giants game, and then the Jets game, which I'll be going to, so I can't wait to talk about that. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to get a lot of a lot of talking heads in Philly who aren't talking about the playoffs yet. We'll start talking about the playoffs. I I really hope so. I really do hope so, because it would be nice to sit there in a year where we're retooling, where we're figuring out what do we have and what do we need. And we're starting to really figure some things out. We're going to get into those two extensions. We got a franchise tight end. We have a guy who can man down the nickel corner position and will man it down for the next three years now. And we have like we're starting to get a lot of answers about Jalen Hurts. Can we go forward with him? He isn't sexy. He isn't a franchise-altering quarterback. I get that. I understand that. And I know that in Philadelphia, we want something that flashes. We want something like, that's our guy. That's a guy that we can trust for the next Donovan McNabb. We want that next Donovan McNabb, that guy that we can entrust for the next decade as our quarterback. Maybe you can't fully picture 10 years of Jalen Hurts, but there may be a way where you can picture the right game plan built around Jalen Hurts we can get wins. We can get what we need to get places, especially if you can leverage the salary cap going up about $20 million with free agency, plus the idea of three first round picks. The idea of how franchise altering those two things together in this offseason for us can be is not being is being understated. It needs to be talked about so much more. If Hertz can be the guy, if he continues to play like this for the rest of the year and we choose to move forward with him, three first round picks in a massive defensive draft where you could be coming in with guys like DeMarvin Leal, Hayden, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, maybe because we really trust Dickerson at guard, maybe Tyler Linderbaum at center. Um, Derek Stingley at cornerback, Andrew Booth at cornerback, like Kyle Hamilton at safety, franchise altering moves can be made if this Hurts is the man. And the last time a team had three first round picks, I think it was, I think in the top 20 was in 91 when Dallas had those three first round picks after trading Herschel Walker. And that was franchise altering for them. They were able to start a dynasty winning three Super Bowls. You know, the last time that, Dallas was relevant, and um, you know those those cockroach cow, cow turd fans can watch all their stuff on um, VHSs while we can watch our Super Bowl on a Blu-ray DVD. Just saying, um, but yeah, that's that's what it's gonna come down. Like if if you don't have to waste, as we mentioned before, waste draft capital on a quarterback, and you can build it up, build it up the defense. You know whether it's a corner, a lot obviously. We know what Howie likes. He likes to build through the trenches. So they're going to draft a defensive lineman. They're going to draft an offensive lineman. But that other it depends on what they decide to do with that other, you know, first round pick. Which, if I highly doubt, obviously this will be talked at when we when we get closer to draft time. But I don't think the Eagles are going to make three first round picks because Howie's going to want to trade one to get to 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 get assets for like later, like next the the following year, maybe pick up a second first rounder, but. But if they were, you know, you build it up, you 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 get the the top talented, the top ranked defensive players that are available wherever you're picking, and this defense instantly gets better. We know that, like, so if you look at the offense, the offense is young. You have Jalen Hurts, you have Dallas Goddard, 
You have Devontae Smith, uh, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager. We'll see about him. Um, yeah, so like, there's your your offensive playmakers are all Miles young. Sanders. Miles Sanders, like that. Think about that. That's all draft picks, and they and and for the most part, they fit on those draft picks. The defense is a different story. You had to trade for Darius Lay, sign Stephen Nelson. Um, you have older guy at at and even though he's been hurt. Um, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox getting up there in age. Javon Hargrave was a free agent. Um, 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 Barnett was a, a draft pick who's probably not going to be back, and I ain't going to be mad at that. Safeties, McLeod was a free agent. Um, Harris, free agent. The linebackers, Edwards was undrafted pickup, and Davion Taylor was a – like, so you could see that there's a foundation there of picks. Now you have to build on that. And, and if you can hit on the defensive picks in the draft next year – this rebuild that we've been talking about could happen a lot quicker than we've anticipated. Absolutely. And and I think that this is a good point to transition into the two extensions yeah. um, that happened this past week because Goddard got his extension yesterday and Avante Maddox got his literally as we were calling each other on Skype and preparing to go live. Yeah. Um, the the Goddard uh, signing a four-year extension, 59 mil. 35.7 guaranteed. Um, look, I get it. He's a, he's a tight end who hasn't had more than, what, 650 yards receiving. But if now that he's the legit number one receiver, this offense is going through him. Last week against Denver, before he got hurt with that that hit, I, it felt like the offense may have gone through him. Um, and, you know, he was playing behind Zach Ertz, uh, an all-time eagle. So, obviously, he didn't get those opportunities, but he's now the guy and if he could stay healthy, he, he is going to be a legit top five tight end in this league. I don't know if he'll be up there with Kelsey and Kittle and Waller, but he is going to be legit, a guy that can that that defenses are going to have to prepare for. And then on the other side of the ball, his roommate, Avante Maddox, uh, Matt, Avante Maddox, as you said, our slot corner, three-year extension, $22.5 million, $13.5 guaranteed. So the Eagles got their slot corner. We've said it. He is not an outside corner. We saw how he struggled over the last couple of years on the outside. He is a he he is a slot corner, not an outside corner. And they have him solidified. Darius Slay solidified. Now they got to find that number two corner if it's not going to be Steven Nelson beyond this year. But that is a good like the Eagles are keeping their young guys, you know, in house. And if you think about that, 2018 draft class the one right after the super bowl dallas goddard still here just signed an extension second round avante maddox fourth round still here just signed an extension fourth round josh sweat signed an extension before this before the season started he's still here sixth round they took matt Pryor, who's a starting i think right tackle if i'm not mistaken with the indianapolis colts right now and in the seventh round they took jordan maialata who's a starting franchise left tackle who they signed to an extension um, in, in before the season started. If you think about this draft class, while we have questions about Howie Roseman picking, the 2018 draft class is by far his best draft draft class in recent memory. Absolutely. I mean, we question it, but there's one thing that I've learned not to really question about some aspects in, in Philadelphia, and that's the idea of, this coaching staff or coaching staffs and their ability to develop guys like we now that Goddard's locked down. Think about Tyree Jackson. 
Think mm-hmm. about what he can become. I by mean, the way, he was having a really good preseason. By, yeah, by the way, for, not to cut you off, you see how big he is standing next to like a Boston Scott? He's, like, a big, you are, he's six foot seven, like 255. Line him up, line him up next to Jordan Maialata and run behind him. Now, he, he's not a run blocker yet. We saw it last week. But after God, the one thing they did miss last week was Goddard's run blocking ability. Because um, after he went out and, and they put Jackson out there to block, he did not do good. But if he can p- work on his run blocking, line him up right next to Maialata. Good Lord. It's going to be good. Luck. Six foot seven and six foot eight side by side, like 600 yeah. pounds of muscle. You're going to try and move. Good luck. Exactly. But yeah, no, I agree. Tyree Jackson, you have to give him time, obviously, because this is a quarterback turn tight end. Like mm-hmm. this guy cha- is coming from such a different position, such a different background. Like sometimes you'll see some others try and make the transition from other positions like wide receiver and stuff where they kind of have some of the intricacies of the game already. But like we saw some good stuff in the preseason. We also saw some stuff like, oh, he really needs to develop. But that's good. That's good. We we can develop people. We seem to have this this drive to develop talent that later day picks. So like no matter how often we think how he's missing later or we don't like what he's doing later in the week i hate what he does usually on day one and day two it's excruciating but day three they seem to nail that out of the park or that late day two moving into day three he seems to nail those out of the park or the coaching staff does because you kind of alluded to the fourth round pick the fifth round pick the sixth round pick the seventh round pick and these guys that were developing these udfas that were developing um, it, it's incredible to watch what this coaching staff is able to do when they see the potential in a guy and they take him and they focus on him like they were doing with Jackson prior to the start of the season. Um, as far as the, the uh, sign-ins go, Dallas Goddard, I mean, you've said all that needs to be said about Dallas Goddard. Great extension. You lock down a key position. He's a good run blocker. Now you can develop Tyree Jackson. He can work with Tyree Jackson. You can maybe d- attempt to develop Jack Stoll if he's a guy you think should be there. I don't think he makes it beyond this year. I think you can find some other tight ends that you can do stuff with in this draft class or in future classes. Um not a big fan of his, but Tyree Jackson, for sure, you keep him around. And you really lock down a key part of the offense because next year you got Miles Sanders, who's due for his extension. And that, if you lock down Miles Sanders and you got that, you got Jalen Hurts on his rookie contract for another year or two, and all of this is going, you got you got your offense pretty much intact for the next like two to three years. So there's definitely some things to look forward to on the offensive side of the ball, like you said, with the youth and the nice injection of veterans who are helping the younger guys like Jason Kelsey, helping Landon Dickerson, and some of those guys who are helping Landon Dickerson, um, and Jack Driscoll, and those guys really, really get to work on that offensive line and develop along that offensive line. And of course, we can't not talk about Jeff Stoutland and how vitally important he is to the Philadelphia Eagles in their development of offensive linemen. Um, Surely going to miss him when he... when. When he leaves, please, please, we we just at this point we just try not to think about it. We just try and just <laughs> leave it as a, a thing that's by the wayside that we think about when we get there, if we get there. Um, and then Avante Maddox. I mean, me, you talked about him a lot in the off season. We talked about him a lot how this was going to be an important season. There's two guys who this was a vitally important season for. And right before we went on the air, I was tell I was telling you. I think it was it's Derek Barnett or Devontae Maddox. One of them was getting that final contract. Unless Barnett 
blew the barn doors off and stole the contract from Josh Sweat, which he did not, obviously. Josh Sweat got his contract, Devontae Maddox got his, and now I think the spending, the internal spending for this season is done. And I think that Derek Barnett is done in Philadelphia. He has had a really tough year. He's not producing the pressures. He's not producing the sacks. He's only producing really excruciatingly painful to watch penalties. That's he about all he's been able his, to do. He has more penalties in his career than he does have sacks. Exactly. So, and I mean, I guess it's a first round pick. So the, I mean, we expected more. But unfortunately, we're not going to get more. And I think that that's someone that we're going to have to move on from, which I'm fine with because we have some guys who we can develop behind them. And this is a really good edge class. So say you're sitting there with your three first rounders or say you only use two of those first rounders. Getting a guy like Aiden Hutchinson could be a, a, a revamp to that that edge. You got Josh Sweat. Now you got to figure out what you want to do on the other side. You may still you likely might have Brandon Graham for another year. Tough to say, but you know that you have to get somebody else in on that edge. Um, and I just don't think that the answer is Derek Barnett. And like when we were coming on the air and I said, it, I think that that was the contract that was either how he was deciding between Derek Barnett, Avante Maddox. Avante Maddox has stepped up massively. They found the spot he needs to be. They found the spot he will man for the next three years. And I'm OK with that. I'm okay with Derek Barnett being out the door and Avante Maddox winning that final big contract for the the young players that we were waiting to see what they would do this year. And now we got the answers we needed. Mylotta, Sweat, Goddard, Maddox. I'm fine with moving forward with those four and Derek Barnett not being an Eagle next year. Yep, I definitely agree with you. The one thing that you had said um, earlier about Howie and his, his drafting capabilities, like, He's good late in the draft, and that's all fine and dandy, but it worries me because the Eagles have three first-round picks coming up this year. So that's my only worry about that because I, if, if, if he could nail some of these, if he could nail, well, like he, obviously Devontae Smith was an obvious, obvious selection. Like there are some picks that are obvious that are hard to, to miss, that are hard, that if you do it, it's like, He's not going to fail. And I think Devontae is one of them guys. But, you know, we, we saw saw it with Dillard. We saw it with um, Rager. I know it's early on, on both of them a little bit. But, like, it, it, it's worrisome. Um, if you were to get the number one overall pick this year, Kayvon Thibodeau, that's a, a surefire. He's going to come in, start day one, be dominant off the edge for you for the next 10 years. That's hard to miss. But when, you, when you're drafting around 6, 7, you know, 15-ish, that's what worries me when it comes to Howie Roseman. And, I, and that's where I'm going to be concerned going, in, going into it's a draft season. Exactly. And that's kind of why I made that point, because those three first-rounders, it's pretty heavy at the top for obvious picks. Especially defensively, you got your Stingley, you got your Hamilton, mm-hmm. arguably, debatably, Booth, the Clemson cornerback. You got DeMarvin Leal, you got Aiden Hutchinson, you got a bunch of names, and it's pretty obvious you really can't miss if you go on the defensive side of the ball. Where things may get murky, or on the offensive line. The offensive line, there's some really good guys. There's uh, Evan Neal, who's a monster in his own I'm right. From Alabama, yeah. Yeah, exactly, but unless you're planning on moving on from Lane Johnson, no reason to go tackle but Tyler Linderbaum is somebody who interests me because if you're comfortable with Dickerson at a guard, I prefer Linderbaum at well, center. Neil, 
So going back to Neil real quick, I think he could play guard. And if you're moving on from Brandon Brooks, you put him next in between whoever your center is going to be and Johnson. Whoo-wee. He's a, like I said, Evan Neal's a big boy, and I think he can make that transition to guard. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think the thing that we, you have to think about there is you got to get your answers from Kelsey. Can you play another year? Are you good? Are you feeling good? Can you come back? If yeah. he says, yeah, I'll come back again, then you can keep, you know, kicking the can down the road at the center position and you can address, you know, you could get a tackle who you can move into guard, who you can kick back out to tackle when the time yeah, comes. Yeah, which we saw, sorry not to cut you off again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Kelsey was went out for that one play last week and was it Herbig that came oh, in? Oh, the line drive snap, yes. Yeah, like <laughs> you see how important the center position is and with Kelsey being the best, one of the best, if not the best center in football, how much the center position matters. Absolutely. So, and, and Linderbaum is a guy who, he's an athletic guy. He can get to the next, he's, he reminds me a lot of Kelsey. Smaller from the aspect of he's not your typical 300-pound guy, but he's very athletic. He can move to the second level where you need him, and that's the type of stuff that, stuff that Kelsey does for you. So, I guess you kind of, that's the next big question. One of the next big questions the Eagles have to figure out. Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey, and what is Hurts a guy, and is Kelsey going to be able to come back for another year or two? How does he feel, and how much more dead money can we carry on? Because obviously, I think we owe Kelsey about ten to twelve million dollars next year, whether he's rostered or not. So another extension would have to be given, which would push more dead money down the road in typical Howie fashion, and we'd eventually we have to pay up for a guy, and he won't be playing for us. Um, but yeah, so I feel like the pick scene obvious but it gets spotty if he tries to go off the board say Hertz isn't the answer and you have to consider a quarterback are you going to trade for a quarterback or are you going to try and draft one of these quarterbacks we saw he was at the game the other day uh I think it was Ole Miss and Pitt and he was watching uh or no it was uh North Carolina. North Carolina and Pitt yeah because it was Pickett and uh Sam Howell but there is no real consensus that any of these quarterbacks should be top 10 and there's a large feeling that they shouldn't be top 15, but you know, there's always that team that or a team or two that have the need at the quarterback position who make that jump. You, they go way too early with quarterback and who knows what might happen with that quarterback. Just like we're waiting on some of these uh, rookies from this class to emerge and what are they going to become and were they worth the investment where they got picked? Um, so similar thing, except I think it's a lot less talented in this quarterback class. So that's where things could get spotty for Howie. If he decides to go off the board, if he decides to take the risky shot somewhere else at position at a different position that we don't, we're not talking about as a major need, uh, that we could really start to see how he maybe ruin things in typical Howie fashion. Um, but there are some questions to be answered still. I mean, we still got where we were 10 games deep and we still got to figure out we we're locking some things down. We're figuring out the next, you know, that three to five year window. But we do still have the major question of Jalen Hurts. And if this consistent, I think this is the biggest stretch of football. You need to show you can handedly deal with these teams coming up because mm -hmm. it's an easier schedule. So. Or am, I, am I expecting the, the, the Detroit Lions game for the next five weeks, a repeat of that? No. 
Am I expecting a repeat of the Broncos game? Not necessarily, but I am expecting him to not make bad decisions, to make really good decisions, limit the turnovers, um, and and build that connection with Dallas Goddard, with Devon, continue to build with Devonta Smith. Whereas <coughs> Watkins has shown so much potential, but he's just not getting the ball in the right circumstances, or he's just not getting the ball enough. Um and what's going to happen when Miles Sanders is back into the fold? That's another big thing. How is this offense going to look with Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard? I can't help but think about 2019 when we had that thunder lightning of Miles mm-hmm. Sanders and Jordan Howard, and it worked so well, both of them over 500 yards on the ground. Um, I think it was Miles Sanders at over 800 yards on the ground. Can we get that again? Can we kind of mimic that again this year with that built-in you know, last three games and how we've used the Russian attack? So there's some things that are going to change it. I'm really going to want to see a lot more out of Jalen Hurts, but I'm really liking what I've seen the last three games. And I think it's important, especially, and we're going to probably move transition into the Saints game here in a bit. It's important that to see Sirianni stick to it, even though it's going to be like Goliath versus Goliath here. You got the number one Russian offense against the number one Russian defense. Don't give up if they stop you on a couple plays. Like you have to stick to what you've been doing and don't let the one yard or back to back one yard games really throw you off and not make you want to use that Russian attack. Something you just said really uh was kind of a sad. We're already in week ten of the NFL. Like actually week eleven of the of the NFL season. This is ridiculous how fast the football season goes by. And this year is no different, even with the extra game. Like we're already going into week 11, where it's November, excuse me, about to be Thanksgiving and about to be December. Like, before we know it, it's going to be New Year's and the season's going to be over. Such a depressing thought. Agreed. Agreed. It feels like we just spent, it feels like you spend so much time in the offseason building things up, talking about the what if scenarios, what if this, what if that. And thinking about like, okay, free agents, what are we going to do with free agents? What draft picks do we have? Where's the salary cap going to be? You spend all this time and then the season starts and and it's like we don't enjoy it enough because now here we are past the halfway point of the season and we're sitting there and we're like, oh my God, we got to talk about the off season again soon. Yeah. And and I, I, we kind of got a, a preview of what it's going to be like um, when you were talking about the... Um, the, the draft, the first round of the draft, and some of the players to look forward to. Um, so we, we got a preview of it. And obviously when we hit the, the end of the season, January, February, March, uh, heading into the draft season, which I think the draft's in April, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you are correct. That, that's that's definitely what we're going to be talking about. And obviously like dra- mock drafts and stuff is, are fun to put together. But we, we're hopefully talking about a playoff team when we get uh, a, a team coming off the playoffs, I should say. When we get to that point. All right. So before we talk about. I, I think say, the one thing I want to say is. Yeah. As long as the Dolphins and Colts miss. I'm okay with that. Because I'm okay with one of our Colts picks being, miss. you know, in the bottom 12. Like clumped mm-hmm. down there. But I don't want all of our picks being down there. Just saying. Especially in the first round. <laughs> I got, I, got what, I get what you're saying. But yeah, it, it'll be. um, The Dolphins aren't making the playoffs. I, I'm still mad they beat Baltimore. Because that ruined our top five probably um but going um the, the and the, the Colts did you have a chance did you get a chance to watch episode one of the in-season hard knocks I actually with, didn't know the Colts yeah it started on Wednesday I watched it like kind of got you got you got a sense of how close 
Carson Wentz and Frank Reich are. Um, it was actually really cool. So if you get a chance to watch it, definitely watch it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but uh, before we get to Eagle Saints, let's talk our unheralded player of the week for week 10 in the National Football League. Connor, you can go first if you would like. Yeah, so I'm I went uh, I'm taking a trip back to a former Eagle 2017 if you might remember and I'm going with Marcus Johnson this week. He okay. had five receptions for 100 yards in a NFL best winning streak sixth straight win for the Tennessee Titans who are finding ways to win without Derrick Henry, without Julio Jones. And A.J. Brown's just getting back. He's getting healthy. He's starting to, you know, get back into his ways uh, in that offense. It's not exactly an offense that jumps off the page to you as, oh, my gosh, this this team's going to dominate us. But their defense is pretty good. Um, So whatever you can do to get the yardage, yardage, to control some possession on the offensive side of the football and to put some points up, um, that's always a positive. And a guy like Marcus Johnson stepping up five receptions, 100 yards, that's huge for Tannehill. That's huge for a Titans offense that just needed some yardage, just a few extra yards. Trevor Simeon almost led the fourth quarter comeback against uh, in that ma- in that game between the Titans and Saints. Um, so, I mean, I watched a bit, I watched some highlights of that game to see what we were looking at with Simeon and, and see what we were looking at with the Saints. And, and he'll take he'll take whatever he's given. That that's for sure for Simeon, but yeah, Marcus Jones, unheralded player for me. Yeah, we traded Marcus Johnson to Seattle in that trade for um, the defensive end um, Michael Bennett. Um, is it Michael Bennett? Yeah, Bennett. Uh, when we when mm-hmm. we the year after the Super Bowl when we made that trade, we traded Marcus Johnson. My unheralded player of the week is Taylor Heineke of the Washington Football Team as they upset the defending Super Bowl champions. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 29-19. Heineke was 26-32, 256 yards, a touchdown. The game-winning touchdown pass to DeAndre Carter. Um, um, and he deserves a lot of credit. Like, coming into the year, it was going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick's job. Fitzpatrick gets hurt. Heineke takes the job, and then there were questions where what would, would Ron Rivera go and, and sign Cam Newton? Um but he didn't, stuck with Heineke, and Heineke is is leading the charges for for Washington right now. Um, but that was a big win for the excuse me, <clears throat> a big win for Washington over Tampa Bay. Um, and then this week, Washington going to Carolina, Ron Rivera going to his old stomping grounds to face his former quarterback, who's not a starter in Carolina in uh, in Cam Newton. So that's a nice little storyline right there. But yeah, yeah I mean Taylor Heineke. I, I got to admit, like, it was an off game for Tom Brady, and I got to say one thing. I feel so bad for the Giants this week. I think the Bucks are absolutely oh, going yeah. to kill them and mercilessly. Yeah. Like, they're going to not even – They're like, it's like, you know, the garbage time. It's like, okay, let's run the clock out. I've seen this story with Tom Brady before. I've seen this story where if he's really mad – and he wants mm-hmm. th- they're six and three. They 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 still they need every win they can get because they don't want to play. Tom Brady doesn't want to play that extra playoff game. Who wants to play that extra playoff game? And they get a team like the New York Giants, whose defense has been putrid, whose offense has albeit been very banged up, but putrid and Logan as well. Logan Ryan's gonna be out this week because he's on the COVID list. 
Yeah, I, I think, oh, boys, oh, boys, uh, Tom Brady <laughs> and the Bucks are going to make the Giants pay for Washington beating them last week. And that's two straight losses for Tampa because they lost uh, before their bye week, um, too. So definitely. I can't be- wait. to. That's one thing I can't wait to talk about at the end of the season uh, when we dive into talking about the NFC East. Washington, we thought was ahead of schedule. They're way behind schedule now. They New York. Yeah, no, they don't have a quarterback. Their and defense, Chase Young is now their defense the took a huge step back. Chase Young, yeah, he tore his ACL. He might not even be ready for the start of the next season. And then the Giants. We knew there was a humongous load of question marks. Literally every question has been answered as an emphatic, your team sucks. And well, it's well, like, they're not going to be good what? until they get rid of Gettleman. So I want them to keep Gettleman as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to dive into that at the end of the year. We we got to get to this Saints game. But but the, the NFC East is looking a lot more like Eagles-Cowboys for many years to come. Definitely. But as you said, we have to get to the, the NFC East, or excuse me, to the Eagles. Saints, the Eagles' fifth home game. As we mentioned before, they are 0-4 at home. The Saints coming off of a, <clears throat> excuse me, a loss to Tennessee 23-21. No Alvin Kamara. No Tariq Armstead, no Ryan Ramchek, the two starting tackles. It, Trevor Simeon handing off to Mark Ingram, um, who just became the Saints' all-time leading rusher passing, Deuce McAllister. But that Saints defense is still good, Connor. Um, talk about Marcus Lattimore. Uh, I know that Gardner Johnson is on the COVID list, I think, or IR. So he's not going to be playing. Malcolm Jenkins. Um, they have a good defensive line. Cameron Jordan. It's going to be a fun battle between the Eagles offensive line and their defensive line and the number one rushing defense against an a rushing offense, which is number one in the league over the last five games or so. Yeah, I agree. And, and two names that often have kind of been not really swept under the rug, but they haven't produced like you would hope, but they are very close to. I touched on it in my preview piece. Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan, I think that they mm-hmm. deserve a lot more respect than what they're getting for why the run defense is doing so well. And Demario the, Davis. Really and Demario Davis. It all works in conjunction because they work they work the outsides, which force the run game on the inside. Demario Davis, you know, he can he can get to a hole and he can stop a play right then and there. So I, it all works in conjunction. And I think that, you know, like one of the things that I pointed out, the New Orleans Saints do not produce a whole lot of pressure. Um, they've one of the bottom uh, third of the league in pressures and hurries, but they rank second in quarterback knockdowns, which says one thing to me. They may not be creating the hurry. They may not be creating the pressure, but they are getting damn close to creating that sack on a number of occasions. So mm-hmm. if Jordan Mailata or Lane Johnson is off even for a couple plays or misses on a play or two, that can lead to some discomfort in the pocket for Jalen Hurts. That could lead to Nick Sirianni becoming uncertain about the running game. So they really, it's going to be a big game for Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson in keeping Davenport and Jordan in check. Um, and how creative this run game can get, because like you said, usually it's just hit the hole and then get to the second level, make somebody miss and he, bam, next thing you know, you got 12, 13 yards and you got a first down. It's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be that simple against the New Orleans Saints. I think it's, uh, Sirianni's going to have to get a little bit more creative and, um, it'll be interesting to see if Miles Sanders comes off 
uh, the if he gets activated from the IR. His practice window is open, um, but as of now, he hasn't fully been activated yet to play. So like like we kind of alluded to earlier in the episode, what what's the mixture going to look up look like between the three running backs, and how are you going to use them? And um, can you get to the outside? Can you get around that edge, which they, the Eagles have also been very good at, get, in, uh, get into the outside, just winning that edge enough to get a big run as well. Um, so that'll be very interesting to see this week. Yeah, um, and one thing I didn't mention was this, was this is a revenge game for the Saints. Jalen Hurts' first career start was against the Saints last year, and the Saints came into that game, had it not given up a 100-yard rusher, and – a long time, and I think the Eagles had two of them. Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders both rushed for 100 yards against the this, this Saints defense, which also ended number one in the in the league last year going up against the Eagles, and the Eagles just dominated that game all night long. Um, the Eagles are also going to be wearing their all-black uniform, so it's somebody's funeral. Um, always make that joke whenever the Eagles go all-black. By the way, did, did you like that uh, black pants, white, white jersey combo last week? It's kind of weird. It felt, I, it felt I different. Wish I wish that the numbers were black. It would have looked a lot. And the helmet was black. If the helmet was black and the numbers on the jersey were black, it would have looked awesome. But with the green green helmet, with the green helmet and the green letters, it looked a little off, like you said. But I like the change. And Jalen said that he's gone to, to, to owner Jeffrey Lurie. He said we could see something different, which means I think we'll see a black pants and green or see a black pants and green jersey. I would like to see green pants and green jersey, but I don't know if that's going to happen. No, yeah, it's tough to say uh, on that front. But it's nice to see them mix things up and the ability to mix things up, even though they've been a team for as long as they've been a team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously we want Kelly Green back, but that'll hopefully happen next year. Um, All right, so we we talked about how good this Saints defense is, how this offense for the Saints could kind of play to what the Eagles' defensive strengths are. You know, they're not going to have to sit back in zone. They'll be able to get after Simeon, play up, let Darius Slay and Steven Nelson play up. What are some other keys that you're looking forward to for, or looking towards this game, something that you put in your piece? And then a final score prediction. Well, I kind of talked about our secondary. I mean, we the, our secondary has done a really good job of, you know, keeping the big play in front of them, you know, doing whatever it takes to not allow, try not to allow the first down. Obviously, on third downs, they tend to, falter a little bit um but they're the ability to also that they've created timely turnovers we still rank in the bottom half of the league in turnover in uh opponents drives ending in turnovers because we're not getting a lot of them we're just getting really timely ones which make us feel a lot better because it's a, a Darius Slay scoop and score that put the game out of reach last week those types of plays so we forget that we're not forcing that many turnovers especially at the uh, amongst the front four and with the pressure up front we're not forcing fumbles we're not forcing any turnovers on their ground it's more through the air with Darius Slay or that with that was the fumble last week um but the the secondary should have a pretty easy week. I mean, you look at it, Deontay Harris, he's a burner, but he's not great. He's not really threatening, overly threatening. Marquez Callaway, I mean, I think that this gives us an opportunity to have the safeties help focus on helping the linebackers and keeping guys like Adam Troutman and Juwan Johnson in check. Juwan Johnson, obviously, he hasn't played a whole lot, but if you remember back week one, he came out, I think he had two touchdowns on three targets or something. And since then, he's been almost non-existent. Adam Troutman, he's seen six-plus targets over the last three weeks he's starting to get gain trevor simeon's trust 
And obviously we know based on the prior couple weeks that we are giving up a ton to tight ends. So maybe some focus on shutting down the middle of the field and not lead, not just giving Simeon a spot that he can just constantly drop back, knows exactly where to look and makes a play like the, I, I use the example a la Derek Carr a few weeks back where he literally just looked into the middle of the field and there was always Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller or what or what well, wasn't there was or Foster Moreau. It was always there was always somebody there and he just took what was given to him. And eventually, as you take what you're given, eventually, guess what? It leads to first downs. It leads to backing a team up against their end zone. And that leads to score. So hopefully they focus on, you know, entrusting Steven Nelson and Darius Slay with a team that really doesn't have much of a true number one wide receiver and focus on shutting down the middle of the field where they've had major issues in shutting down, especially with no Alvin Kamara. Marvin Ingram or Mark Ingram becomes not necessarily as much of a focus. He can still do things, but if you can entrust the front four to keep things in check there, then it's just about shutting down that middle of the field. Oh yeah, definitely. This isn't your uh, Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints coming to town, obviously. Um, no. And it, it's different than with, even with Jamin, Jamison, or Winston, Jameis Winston, excuse me, being the starting quarterback. Um, it's definitely different you know, type of quarterback out there because we know he's a gunslinger. He'll throw it all over the field. Simeon, not so much. All right, what's your final score prediction, Connor? I got the Eagles winning 24 to 17, and I'm very skeptical. I There's a part of me that really feels this could end up like a really bogged down defensive game where each team's trying to own time of possession with their run games against, you know, defenses that are kind of stingy. Um, so I'm skeptical, but I'm going to keep the score 24-17. I think that, that Philadelphia will get another timely turnover too. Um, they're not going to give Simeon what he needs. They're not going to give him the looks that he, he, he wants. And that's going to force him, force either sacks or turnovers or just a lot of turnovers on downs and, and, yeah, so I got 24-17 for Philly. I'm debating if I want to keep up my picking against the Eagles and them <laughs> winning, or actually, I'm going to go 27-24 Saints. I think the revenge factor is actually going to mean a lot. And I, I mean, I, I want the Eagles to win a home game. I really do. They haven't won one in what seems like – they obviously haven't won one all year, and I don't remember – when the last home game they won last year, it may even have been that Saints game last year that that the Eagles last won a home game. Um, but um, as as much as um, I, I I feel great after last week's win over Denver, I, I feel like the defense might revert back. Not the defense personnel, but Jonathan Gannon's play calling might revert revert back to the safeties playing in a different continent and um, just playing off and giving up 80% completion percentage to the quarterback opposing quarterback, even if it is Simeon. Um, but yeah, that's what I kind of see happening. And I think the saints are going to pull it out 27 to 24. Ouch. That hurts, yeah, I but I, I can see it. I can understand why the concern would be there because you just don't really know 
what what what's going to end up happening like if got if is Gannon going to try different things is he going to try and show some different looks bring bring a little bit more pressure because he feels more comfortable with no Alvin Kamara and then being out there starting tackles or is he going to revert to his old ways and say let's just stop the big play hopefully they don't get points or all they get is field goals and and the offense produces like they've been producing if he does revert back to that then my 24-17 score is just uh <laughs> Yeah, I get worried about that too because we we've gotten so used to things changing on the offensive side of the ball and then on the defensive side of the ball really things haven't changed dramatically. There's just timely turnovers. There's just things happening to make us say, "Look at the defense. They did a good job there. They got a couple key stops and they they turned into points the other way." So we get feeling comfortable. But really not a whole lot's changed on the defensive side of the ball. There's no more blitzing. There's still the too high safety look. There's no mm-hmm. There's no, we I, we've expected more and we're not getting any more from John Gannon, which which really sucks. But yeah. hopefully we have uh, helped other teams decide he shouldn't be a head coach candidate for a few years because he's not. Well, ready. I kind of hope we didn't because that means he'll stick <laughs> as our defensive coordinator, and we can go after one of these guys that is probably going to get fired, like a Vic Fangio or Mike Zimmer, if they don't become head coaches again, maybe bring them in to be our defensive coordinator. But, you know, we'll, we'll be stuck with Jonathan Gannon because I don't see Sirianni uh, getting rid of him after one year. All right, so Connor, you have the Eagles winning. I have the Eagles falling to 0-5 at home. But hopefully I'm wrong. I always want to be wrong whenever I pick against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell. 54 and follow our partners the fight philly fight network on twitter at fpf network and then visit the website fight philly fight network.com connor's review uh preview piece for this upcoming game against the saints is up also all the the pieces from the team over at fight philly fight network are up there for connor i'm lj thank you for listening to the kelly green hour